Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hello and welcome to Book Cheat, the book club podcast where I've read the book so you don't have to. My name is Dave Warnicke and on each episode of this show we look at one of the classics. And joining me to look at such a classic this week, it's Josh Earl and Kirsty Weeber. We did it. <laughs> we made it into the studio and hit record. The dream team back together yes, again. Finally. That's right. We've uh, There's 12 lost Book Cheat episodes out there that we all did. Uh, somehow something stuffed up. So if you're hearing this one, oh, <laughs> yeah. lucky 13. Exactly. <laughs> Hopefully it'll finally make We say that every week. Lucky 11. Never made it. <laughs> Never. Never made it. But thank you guys for joining me on Book Cheat. How are we feeling? Great. Pumped. I'm really excited. Pumped up for books. That's how we... Yeah, I'm wild for them. I'm wearing glasses. I don't normally wear glasses and I thought, oh, wear glasses for the book podcast. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, this is a new edition. I've got to wear them for driving at night. So is it just driving at night that you wear them? Yeah. So there's no there's no reading when you're out and about. No. Right. No reading. But they no. really suit you. Are you doing a lot Thanks. of driving at night now, just to get oh, get the d- use to gigs and that's it. Take them off. Yeah. Don't perform in them. Oh, okay. Just driving just and driving. being on the book cheat yes. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you're driving the show forwards. There Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for joining me on this show. We talk uh, obviously about books, but um, how about you guys? Are you big readers, Kirsty, Josh? Uh, yeah, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm trying to read more at the moment. I used to read a lot and then I went, I lapsed for a while when I was sort of like focusing more on writing and now I'm getting back into it. So, um, at the moment I'm in the middle of the prettiest horse in the glue factory. Corey White. Corey White's book. Yes. Fellow comedian. So yeah, middle of the way through that. Amazing. Great book. I'm loving it. And I'm, I'm pretty, I used to read a lot and then I kind of stopped reading because of Twitter. And uh, it kind of ruined me for reading anything longer than a sentence. Uh, But now I'm currently reading uh, Lincoln in the Bardo, which is by George Saunders, which is really, really good. But it's one of those – it's written in, like, quotes. Like, the whole thing is just quotes from people. But it's it's all fictional so that people aren't real people. And so – but you read it and then you've got to skip ahead to see who said this and then go back and read it in that voice. And then – and I'm a hundred-something pages in and I've realised that, oh, the quotes – don't matter. It's all just one story, and he's just written it as if it's different quotes about Abraham Lincoln's son dying. So that really fits in with your Twitter thing. Yeah, it really <laughs> does. Yeah, it's like you can just read little quotes. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's that's an impressive way to structure a book. Yeah, it's a it's an amazing read. If you haven't read that and you listen to this, go and get it. Fantastic. Well, speaking of Twitter and books, before I started this project, about 18 months ago, I had this idea that I would do, um, and yes, basically it was because I thought of the pun, uh, War and Peace. I, want, I started the Twitter account, which still exists, uh, which I don't think I ever tweeted on it, at Warnicky and Peace. And my idea was to read a page of War and Peace every day and summarize it in a tweet. And then after three years, you'd, you'd have <laughs> all of War and Peace. Uh, I gave up after about eight patches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why? It was just... 
there was a lot. I mean, people. It's probably the most requested book on this show, just because people are taking the piss out of me yeah. when I say, "What book should I do?" It's always uh, War and Peace, right. I, which I bought a copy of, obviously. And there is there's diagrams and character lists at the back because there's like 350 characters or something. Yeah, yeah, that's too many. Yeah. Have you done James Joyce's U- Ulysses? Or no. Ulysses? I have not. That's really hard to read. It's really. I've read uh, the portrait of an artist's young yeah, man, which yeah. is his other famous one, which is a lot shorter. Yeah, and that was still very hard to read. Yeah. Why is is Ulysses the same reason? Like, is yeah, it because of the number of characters. It's in really things? deep and really kind of heavy and really. And it's like stream of consciousness, yeah, so yeah, it's like someone sure. thinking sort of thing, sort of that sort of jumps around all over the shop. Because it's interesting. Because yeah. I watched this interview with Matthew Riley. You know Matthew Riley, who writes very easy kind of. Blockbuster books. Sure. And he was saying that it's people don't respect him as much as they should because he goes, I do all the work for you. I write it so I labor over it so it's easy to read. Where a lot of writers these days, you have to do a lot of work while you're reading and they think that's really smart. And you go, no, they're lazy and they're not doing the work that they should do to make you understand it a lot clearer. I really like hearing that because I can't understand anything. So do you want me to repeat what I just said? Okay, so. Uh, Break it down, though. Tweets. No, but I often read things where I'm like, what? And I'm like, does everyone get this? Yeah. Well, his uh, thing is that everyone's saying they <laughs> think they're being clever by making it hard to read. He goes, no, no, they're being they're taking the easy way out. I'm the smart one because I'm, <laughs> I'm doing all the work for you. Who, who Who's this guy? Matthew Riley. I love him. Yeah. <laughs> Writes a sort of like action style, uh, Ice Station Zebra and yeah. things like that. Oh, sort yeah. Sort of like action packed. A lot, right. of, a lot of dads read them post Father's Day. Oh, yeah. yeah, right on. Real last minute decision at the airport book. Yeah, yeah. oh, yeah, he's a big airport guy, <laughs> <Yeah>. for sure. <laughs> Great, all right. You'll see him at the airport. Okay, that's good. That's good to know. I'm going to I'm gonna get into that, I reckon. I like that idea because, yeah, some of the things I've read recently, I've been like, but it, has something happened yeah. to me? <laughs> <laughs> like, am I regressing? Like, I don't understand. And the character thing as well. Like, like I always think... I know this isn't – oh, I was about to say, no, it's not a book, and then I was going to talk about Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> I know it could never be a book. Yeah. I just told you I don't understand anything. <laughs> but, like, Game of Thrones is the same for me. Like, I had to drop out of the TV shows, right, because I was like, does everyone have, a like, a diagram on their wall yeah. of who everyone is? Like, I can't enjoy this program because who's that? Yep. You know? Cool. All right. I get Riley. He's years, my man. Years ago, I was uh, dating a girl who really liked uh, keeping up with the Kardashians. And I'd come in every now and then. She'd be watching. And I'd be like, who's that? Who's that? So she went off and made me a poster with all the people's names, like a family tree, and put it next to the TV. So I wouldn't have to ask questions anymore. <laughs> that's, but, that's, oh, what that's what I Chloe. Okay. And <laughs> Chloe. And you're not together anymore? Is that what you're no, saying? No. Okay. I'm sadly. Oh. Yeah, she started like a dream. But I'm still keeping up with the Kardashians. Yeah, great. So. <laughs> Oh, Matthew Riley, he's not content with being a millionaire. He needs the respect as well. But there yeah. you go. So uh, th- thanks so much for joining me. We look at a classic every week. And uh, this week on the show, I have picked uh, Emily Bronte's Wuthering Heights. Very good. Wuthering hey. Heights. I haven't read it. You have not I've read listened this? to the song a lot. The Kate Bush song. And does it make any sense to you without knowing the story at all? I know there's Heathcliff and there's Kathy, and Kathy has to come home. Yes. Well, <laughs> immediately, that... if not sooner. Yeah. Is that in it? That's true. Oh, excellent. Yeah. And Kirsty, you, you have some knowledge we're talking off air of Wuthering Heights? Yes. Yeah, I read it a very long time ago, and um, I did a summary 
of it for the ABC a while ago, and and were you so, you were were you supposed to read it? Yes. <laughs> If anyone, allowed- for, if anyone from the ABC is listening, <laughs> you please to- turn off right now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, maybe we won't confirm nor deny whether you did actually read it. <laughs> leave that, yeah. leave yeah. that hanging there. Yeah, yeah, we'll leave that hanging. Um, let's just say it was a very hazy summary yeah. of the script. But, but say, again, you, there's too many people in it. If you go into Kirsty's Google history, you'll find the Wikipedia page to <laughs> Wuthering Heights. <laughs> what are you saying, Josh? <laughs> Nothing wrong with Wikipedia. <laughs> There's too many people in it. It's too hard for me. It's way too hard. Well, there are a few people in it's it. That's what my dad says about Melbourne. Too many people. <laughs> <laughs> too hard. <laughs> like he has to know them all. Yeah. <laughs> um, so th- this is um, the first book that I've broken down into two parts because it's in volume one and volume two, halfway through here. And so we're going to leave it after volume one today. That's okay. what we're breaking it down into. So this book has been suggested by a lot of people who can suggest a book for me to do, which is why people often write War and Peace. Please stop doing that. And um, <laughs> probably never going to get there. <laughs> and um, Wuthering Heights has been suggested by many a people, uh, which is one of the reasons I decided to do it. So thank you to these people that suggested that I uh, tackle this classic. We've got Julian Nunn from Royal Leamington Spa in England, Emma Webb from Melbourne, Emily Litwin in Stockholm, Peter Robinson, somewhere in Ireland, Megan or Megan Kay from Houston, Texas, Marty Grievous, also from Melbourne, Christy Palmer from the USA, Sam Jones from Wolverhampton in the UK who said, quote, I'm teaching it to a year nine class in January and I want to make less work for myself. Excellent. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. If he teaches it off the back of this, I'll be stoked. <laughs> And finally, Kieran in Auckland, who said, uh, do it because I'm obsessed with Kate Bush's song but don't have a clue what it's referring right, to. Yeah. Great, right. yeah. Right. Is there dancing and flowing red dresses in this book? Uh, not in Volume 1, possibly okay. in Volume 2. <laughs> yes, stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, we will find out. <laughs> I don't remember much dancing at all. They're all quite serious characters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's got a footloose vibe to it. Yeah. John Lithgow, stop. There's not much merriment. Uh, Wuthering Heights, just for a historical background, which I always do, is uh, English author Emily Bronte's only novel, first published in 1847 under the pen name Alice Bell. What do you think of that pen name? A bit dry. Alice Bell. Alice Bell. But E-double-L-I-S. So, I think she's trying to sound like a, a man, which her, oh, Alice. Her, which her and her oh. sisters all did. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Alice Bell. All right. So how many Bronte sisters were there? Uh, three. So there's, she's the middle child of the three famous Bronte sisters and their brother, Branwell. Branwell. And See, he's I'll, say, like, I'll say it again, that's too many. Yeah. He's like, he wasn't a writer as well, was he? He's like the fourth. Uh, fourth. There's a famous painting that he did of them. Oh, no, he's so like the brother in the cause. So, yeah. No one cares. <laughs> he realised no one cares. So there's this famous painting of the three sisters. He was in the background and then he painted himself out. Oh, so there's like a blank, a there's a blank spot. He photoshopped himself out of the family portrait. Delete it. He, I look fat. Yeah. Delete it. That is, that is one of the bleakest things oh. I've heard all day. The whole family is very, very bleak. <laughs> but painted himself out of it. He's like, nah, I'm out. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not worthy of these people. <laughs> I'm irrelevant. Uh, her older sister Charlotte wrote Jane Eyre and their younger sister Anne wrote The Tenant of Wildfell Hall, which was uh, less famous mainly because uh, their older sister uh, Charlotte stopped them from publishing it. Oh, not, not a great sister there. But they're also now very acclaimed works of literature. Wuthering Heights was Emily's only novel. She only, uh, only died a year after it was published at the age of 30 from tuberculosis, which she probably caught at her brother's funeral. What a tragic family. Wow. Oh. So yeah. 
Okay, he had tuberculosis. No, so tuberculosis. TB. He had TB. He died of something, which I actually am not 100% sure of what. And then uh, at the funeral, it was very cold. And that's when, from then, they assumed that she caught her death, which developed into tuberculosis. What year was this? Uh, 1848. 1848. Because I work at the State Library here in Victoria. And this is off topic, but it's kind of on topic. We got a book donated to us from medieval times. And we have a whole bunch of scientists working in the library. And so they did all these tests on the book. And in the spine of the book, they found a flea, a dead flea. So there were these tests on it. And that flea had the plague. And so that book, many, many years ago, possibly killed a lot of people with the plague. Whoa, yeah. Isn't that, that cool? Is so wild. Yeah. So in the book, it had its own story within the book. Wow. Kill a book. Yeah. Wow. Mm. I love that. Terrifying. I'm scared of books now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the podcast is over because yeah, Dave won't be reading any more books. I'm panicked. <laughs> I don't like it. He caught the black lung off this yeah. copy of Wuthering Heights <laughs> that he found in a yeah. time capsule. Yeah, I found, a very, very, I found the original copy of it, <laughs> which she wrote as uh, she was coughing herself to death, and uh, now I have it. <laughs> so, but she did leave us one of the most acclaimed books of the century, uh, of her century, and what's all the fuss about? And what the hell is Kate Bush singing about? Let's find out. <laughs> uh, chapter one, I always start with the, uh, the opening line just to set the scene. Beauty. Which is... Um, <clears throat> 1801. I have just returned from a visit with my landlord, the solitary neighbour that I shall be troubled with. And thus begins Wuthering Heights. Great. Is I don't know anything about it. Is Wuthering Heights the suburb? Because any any suburb with heights on the end of it, <laughs> no, steer clear of. Don't go steer there. clear. So I'm already with a dodgy neighbour. Yep, this is Wuthering, Wuthering Upper, a lot nicer than Wuthering Heights. <laughs> Is the property name? Yeah, it's the property name. Yeah, there you go. Which yeah, which is better than the suburb name, I think. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever have you ever lived in a house that uh, people named, like an apartment complex or something? No, I live in a place called Hatfield. Hat- Hatfield. That's that's just the name of the house. That's the name of the, the apartment block, Hatfield. Sounds Was it right. in Wandon Valley from a country practice? <laughs> <laughs> Bob Hatfield? <laughs> yes, yeah, so it was a tribute to the great man, of course. Of course he was. Um, yeah, no, no, I haven't. I haven't. Uh, yeah, but maybe maybe I should name my building when I, <laughs> yeah, when I head home tonight. I'll just spray paint <laughs> and name across the apartment we, block. We Becker stand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I'll be like, oh, I don't know who did it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, couldn't be me. <laughs> You're covered in spray paint. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's the opening line. Uh, the person telling us this story is Mr. Lockwood, writing in his diary, and that's how the story is told from a diary, which um, I believe is called an epistolary novel. Oh. Which is where it's like you come across someone else's writing, which I, I earlier did Frankenstein, and most of that was epistolary. Yeah. So the diary of Adrian Mole is epistolary. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if you could call that quote book from Abraham Lincoln. Oh, no, I don't think so. Put together of different other people's voices. But there you go. Uh, Lockwood, the storyteller of the diary writer, is a wealthy man who has just begun renting Thrushcross Grange in no. Yorkshire, England. Thrushcross is no that, good. Come on, get some yogurt, <laughs> Mr. Lockwood. <laughs> Clear that right up. Do not spray paint Thrushcross on your house tonight. <laughs> That is C- cotton rude. undies. Cotton undies. <laughs> oh. Thrush cross is the style of seating, how you sit when you've got it. Like. <laughs> it's a no good, but it's in Yorkshire, England, which is where the Brontes actually grew up and they lived in Yorkshire. I love Yorkshire. 
Genuinely. I've never been. That sounded insincere, but it's All I know about them is the puddings. And, oh, and, and the terriers. Yeah, that's yeah, that's essentially. That's it. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Yeah, no, it's a beautiful part. Yeah, I used to spend a lot of time in Leeds. That's up in Yorkshire. Oh yes, I have. Well, I've been there as well. I've actually eaten a Yorkshire pudding there on a, on top of a pie. Oh, all right, settle down. <laughs> was, sorry, just, it, you're trying to out Yorkshire me. <laughs> it's just got to come. It's got to come to me in pie form. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, that I can experience the world. <laughs> uh, so he writes of his first visit to his landlord, a certain Mister. Heathcliff, Ooh, Ooh. come home, <laughs> <laughs> who lives at the neighbouring manor Wuthering Heights. Uh, he tells us that now his heart is warm towards this man Heathcliff, but when they first met it was hardly friendship at first sight because Mr Heathcliff was not friendly at all when his neighbour dropped in unannounced and overall puzzled his tenant Lockwood, who described his landlord as, quote, a dark-skinned gypsy in aspect, but in dress and manners, a gentleman. Oh. End quote. That's brutal. Okay, brutal. yeah. <laughs> uh, hashtag 1847. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a different time. <laughs> also, I'd be getting on to, like, your real estate if your landlord's just dropping over unannounced. Oh, you, you can't yeah. do that. You cannot do yeah. that. You've got to go to the, 24 the hours residential notice. tenancy yeah. authority. Yeah. <laughs> you need written notice about these kind of things. Yeah, definitely. It's out of order. Running through the house, closing doors, going, no, oh, no, no, we'll just leave this room. <laughs> Uh, Heathcliff didn't seem to trust his tenant and neither did his angry dogs that barked and snarled at Lockwood as their master went to get some wine. Angry dogs is a recurring element of this book, which I did not expect coming in, but here we are. Yeah, right. Uh, Lockwood was initially angry at how he was treated by the dogs, but uh, his host Heathcliff won him back over and eventually they enjoyed the conversation enough uh, that uh, Lockwood pledged to visit him again the next day. Something that Heathcliff did not want to happen. Yeah, of course not. You're the landlord. <laughs> so, oh, this is great. I'd like to come back tomorrow. Absolutely not. Ab- <laughs> I'd prefer <Absolutely>. if you did. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so that, that's chapter one. That's how the whole thing, that's how, how it all starts. We set it off. We've got, yeah. got our diary man and we've got Heathcliff. We've got the dogs. These are the elements of the story. Yeah, it starts out so bleak and it's important to note that this is probably the least bleak <laughs> <laughs> part of the book. <laughs> <laughs> I read somewhere where someone had written a blog about it. They're like, um, like the genius of Emily Bronte is uh, she makes it deliberately confusing at the start, which is the opposite of what you were saying yes. about Matthew Riley. <laughs> deliberately confusing, which will let me know if you get confused as I, as I go on throughout the, the early chapters. But hopefully you're okay with th- those few things because a few days pass and then Lockwood, our tenant, decides to again visit Wuthering Heights, wading through four miles of heath and mud during a cold English winter to get there with snow starting to fall by the time he gets there. No one answers the gate, so he has to jump over it. And then when he gets to the house again, no one answers his knocking because no one is expecting him to arrive. <laughs> Eventually, a man named Joseph comes around from the barn to ask who Lockwood is, and he has an incredibly thick Yorkshire accent that is written phonetically. And for me, this is the hardest part of the book because I have no idea what he's saying 50% of the time. And I will try and uh, <laughs> regale you with a conversation between Lockwood and Joseph. You'll be able to tell who's who. <laughs> Is there anybody, no, sorry, is there nobody inside to open the door? They know but to missile and shewel not opened, and on your mark your flaysome dins till neat. Why, cannot you tell her who I am, Joseph? No and me, all had no a head wheat. Wow. <laughs> head wheat. <laughs> head wig in there, angry. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm reading that going, all right. Okay, I'm getting 50% of this character. 50%? That's incredible. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm getting 13% of this character. <laughs> um, fortunately, he doesn't talk too much about the book, but yeah, for me, that is the hardest part of Fothering Heights. But eventually, Lockwood is read in by, uh, led into the house by a gruff man who takes him into the sitting room where he meets, quote, the missus who didn't even know who he didn't even know existed, and he assumes it's his neighbour Heathcliff's wife. Lockwood tries to make small talk with her, but she doesn't even bother replying. And when she does talk, she's incredibly offhand and repeatedly tells Lockwood that he should not have come over at all. <laughs> yeah, well, why, Lockwood? Like, I don't know, why? Like, so hang stay on. home. Heathcliff owns the property. Yeah, yeah. so he's a landlord. He's so Lockwood's around. visiting the landlord. Yeah, he's yeah. landlord. Yeah. Dropping by. And they're both incredibly wealthy. Okay. So even to rent this manor house, it's like a mansion. Yeah. yeah. But, but, like... It would never occur to me to hang out with my landlord. Like, no. They're, like, they're the last person. <laughs> yeah, my landlord's great, but I don't want to hang out with him. Never. No. Also, the, uh, the guy who let him in with the, with the Yorkshire accent. Joseph, the, Joseph. Joseph. He's the only character that is written phonetically. Yes, he is, yeah. So is this a kind of a saying what they think about the lower classes? Can't even understand them most of the time. Let's just. Yes, but then every other character in the book never says, sorry, what did you say? They just have this conversation back and forth like it is nothing. Yeah, okay. So everyone is understanding it, but I'm reading it going, what? What's this? And no offense to the Yorkshire people listening along, but we can't understand you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we can, but not not when it's written for now. I know, that's right. When there's, he's there's, speaking to us. Yeah, there's no tone. Yeah. I don't have the tone. That is interesting, though, yeah. Josh, what you said about that, writing it yeah. phonetically like they're, yeah. And he dig. is essentially the help, yep. this guy Joseph. He is. Yeah. Uh, when uh, Heathcliff, the master of the house, does arrive, eventually a rather awkward scene plays out when he, um, where our storyteller tries to compliment Heathcliff on his beautiful wife, complimenting his, quote, amiable lady, and Heathcliff asks, where is my amiable lady? And Lockwood quickly realises that he has made a bit of a mistake. The rude woman in the lounge with him is not his wife but his daughter-in-law, Lockwood has this horrible realisation as he realises that the woman is much younger than Heathcliff and he regrets saying anything, but for some reason he doubles down and tries again and compliments the man that let him in as Heathcliff's son. But he's also not Heathcliff's son. <laughs> he's just another guy called Harriton Earnshaw. Good name. So, that's a great name. Harriton yeah. Earnshaw. I've never heard the name Harriton before. No, I mean, that's very strong. It's a good name. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I think there's a real estate in Melbourne called Harrington, I think. Is there? Yeah. Is this Harrington? Harrington? Oh, no, this is, so this is a Harrington. Yeah, Harrington, Har- like Harrison, Harrington. but with a T, right? Yeah, ah. a, yeah, H-A-R-E-T-O-N. Oh, yeah, I wasn't spelling it that way, but fair enough. Harrington. You're spelling, spelling it the, the Yorkshire way, of course, <laughs> yeah. which skips out nearly all of the letters. So he's, he's gone, uh, your wife's beautiful. That's not my wife. Oh, your son's wife's beautiful. That's not my son. Uh, it turns out Heathcliff's son is, in fact, dead, and the daughter-in-law, the very rude woman, woman is his son's widow. So a little bit of an awkward start to people that already don't want you in their house. But then the snow outside becomes a blizzard and Lockwood is told he'll struggle to find his way home in the dark. So he asks for a guide, but no one will help him out. He asks his landlord if he can stay in the lounge, but Heathcliff refuses and tells him if he stays, he must share a bed with a servant. Something far beneath this wealthy man. Angered. (laughs) I was going to say angry and I went for angered. Angered, um, Yorkshire, uh, he grabs a lantern and sets off into the blizzard on his own, which is not a good plan. Our Yorkshire friend, the one with the accent, Joseph, sees a man running away with a lantern and thinking that he's stealing from the house, he lets the dogs loose. Second, the angry dogs. Second dog attack. Second dog attack. Who attack Lockwood and pin him down. Furious, he develops a nosebleed from anger. Don't know if you've ever done that. <laughs> I'm so mad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <It's exploded. laughs> My nose has exploded. <laughs> 
And uh, his anger isn't helped when uh, Heathcliff just watches on and laughs as the dogs attack him and he bleeds from his nose from anger. He's got a right to the council <laughs> <Yeah>. about that. <laughs> <laughs> and then the landlord would just say, he just came to my house yeah. for some reason. <laughs> he, Why was he, he here? He keeps coming over. I set the dogs on him. <laughs> So now he's injured and he's so out of it, he has to save the night at Wuthering Heights, whether the people like it or not. Just bleeding on everything. (laughs) Just bleeding on the servant's bed. (laughs) I wonder if he's allowed to have dogs in his house, seeing he's only renting. I wonder if you could back in the day. The angry dogs. If you you have a mansion, can you have an angry dog? Several. Heaps of them. (laughs) Yeah, a pack. So he's got to stay the night. Heathcliff is taken by a housekeeper named Zilla to a room in the mansion that is actually forbidden for people to enter, but there's a bed in there and somewhere to sleep, so the housekeeper says, just go in there. And whilst in the bed, he notices on a piece of wood next to him, somebody has repeatedly scratched three names into the wood, and those names are Catherine Earnshaw, Catherine Linton, and Catherine Heathcliff. Well, there's one common denominator there. Mm. Kathy, Kathy, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Is this the Kathy? <laughs> it might be. It might be. <laughs> well, speaking of that, Kathy, in the bed he also finds a diary titled Catherine Earnshaw, Her Book. That's what it says on the cover. Written 25 years earlier and uh, like a pervert, he starts to read this young girl's diary. Rude. So these names are scratched into the wall. Yeah. So you know how people make the joke, notches on your belt or notches on your headboard about the amount of people you've had sex with? Mm. Here's this person who's had this room, ha- really had a kink for Catherine's. <laughs> yeah. Will only have sex with Catherine's. <laughs> well, King Henry VIII was married to three women called Catherine. There you go. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to yuck anyone's yum. I'm yeah. just saying. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not there are other names shame. out there. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to. My mum's called Catherine, so I'm not going to get too far. Oh, I've this. got an auntie, Kathy. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> So he reads this little uh, this, uh, Catherine Earnshaw's book written 25 years earlier and um, there's a lot of random sentences and scraps of writing from like a young teen. But Lockwood finds an entry describing a Sunday at Wuthering Heights a quarter of a century earlier. So now we're reading a diary of a man recounting reading a little girl's diary. Yeah, that's rude. Sorry, I, I just enjoy very meta. Yeah, like... the way the story is told, it sort of jumps between different voices, and that's probably my, my favourite part of how how it's told. Uh, but the the diary entry describes how her father has died, and that her older brother Hindley, I love this, this is throwing forward to many characters we'll meet in a minute, is in charge of herself and Heathcliff, and that he mistreats them both, especially Heathcliff, who he seems to hate. Hindley, Kathleen's brother, even instructs him to pull Heathcliff's hair as a punishment. Hmm. They are forced to endure a sermon from Joseph, the man with the accent, who is also extremely religious. And can you imagine a sermon from a man who you can only understand 10% of his words? (laughs) It would be horrific. And uh, later on, Joseph is described as this. This is a great description. He was and is most likely the wearisomest, self-righteous Pharisee that ever ransacked a Bible to rake the promises to himself and fling the curses on his neighbours. Yeah, I didn't understand any yeah. of that. <laughs> he was no good, is that what it's saying? <laughs> he was a bad egg. He's yeah. one of those guys that reads the Bible and takes all the stuff for himself and then judges everyone else yeah. f- f- with the, the material that he's not applying to himself. Yeah. So uh, he's not he's not a great guy. But anyway, in the, in the diary, Lockwood reads, Catherine writes of her sadness of the way her brother treats Heathcliff, who she's very fond of, and that since her father died, Heathcliff is no longer allowed to eat with them, that she has even been told not to play with him. 
throwing forward there. Mm. But uh, back to the original diary, and Lockwood grows tired and falls asleep and starts to have nightmares in this bed with the name scratched in the wall next to him. He awakes to hear a branch scraping against the window of the room. He reaches out to grab the branch to stop the noise, but when he does so, he finds fingers close in on his hand, and it is an ice-cold hand grabbing him. Oh, no. The hand grabs him, and it is clearly a ghost, and it starts to yell, Let me in! Let me in! He asks the figure who it is, and they reply, I am Catherine Linton. I've come home. I've lost my way on the moor. Oh, Kate Bush. Yeah, here we go. (laughs) Turns out she only read the first three chapters, but it's good on her. (laughs) It's a three and a half minute song. You can't fit the whole book (laughs) So suddenly he's being grabbed by a a ghostly hand. Uh, To try and free himself from the grip, Lockwood rubs the ghost's wrist on the broken glass of the window until blood starts to cover the bed sheets around him. The ghost lets go, lets go and tells him that it's been away for 20 years and it's at this point I realised I knew nothing about Wuthering Heights. Yeah. Suddenly it's like a horror scene. So yeah, he's having a dream. Are we sure it's not just in the dream his nose has started bleeding again? Yeah. Is that what it is? He's a, bit, a little bit cross yeah. in the dream and his nasal cavity's exploded <laughs> again. Also, if this is a diary, like you don't worry about the... I did a faux pas with the sister-in-law or the sister. The yeah, grand. come on. History's written by the winners, I mate. Saw, I saw a ghost. That's how you start yeah. your diary. Hey, yeah. I saw a ghost tonight. I got bit by some dogs. I saw a ghost. <laughs> yeah, Who cares a, about oh, I, I had a weird interaction with <laughs> yeah. someone? Oh, your son! In, your son's quite nice. That's not your son. Okay. <laughs> exactly. I got bitten by some dogs. Yeah. My nose exploded I and saw I saw a ghost. a ghost. That's it. We've heard diary shut. Festival show done. <laughs> There are two dog attacks listed before the ghost yeah. is listed. So, but you're absolutely right to question that, Josh. Is it just a dream? We don't know. Okay. No. Nah. do not know. Uh, yeah, we don't definitively, but my gut feeling is no. Nah. Yeah, There's nah. a ghoul on the loose. Okay. Scooby-Doo <laughs> is on the way. <laughs> so he's screaming out and hearing his guest yell out, Heathcliff runs into the room. Lockwood tells him what happened and, in, and the, the room is haunted, haunted and Heathcliff gets angry at him. First of all, he's not supposed to be in this room at all and now he's saying it's haunted. Lockwood decides to leave. He's like, I'm just going to walk in the yard until daylight and then go home. So he'd rather pace up and down in the courtyard than spend any more time in this crazy room. But once his guest has left, Heathcliff cries out to the ghost. He says, quote, come in, come in. Kathy, do come. Oh, do once more. Oh, my heart's darling. Hear me, hear me this time. Catherine. At last, end quote there. As the landlord, you'd be like, all right, this guy's got to get out. This guy <laughs> is in my backyard yelling out to ghosts. I told he's, him not to be in this room. He's broken a window. Yeah. Was it, was <laughs> he's that, upset my dogs. Was that Lockwood yelling at Kathy then or Heathcliff? No, that was, that Heathcliff, was Heathcliff yelling. So that was the landlord okay. yelling for Kathy. But yeah. his, his tenant has come into his house, been attacked by a dog, demanded to stay the night, and then smashed a window yeah. and, and left. And Not cut his grass with his ghostly girlfriend. Yeah, that's right. He got to speak to the ghost, but Heathcliff didn't. Yeah. I'd be annoyed. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, if Lockwood was, like, getting a little bit too close for comfort to your ghoulish girlfriend. But I, did, I, <laughs> I had no idea that it was ghoulish at all, this story. Yeah. I was imagining, uh, I've only done one Jane Austen st- uh, novel, so I was going to say Jane Austen style novel, which was written by Jane Austen, can you believe it? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I was expecting it to be a lot more straightforward. But this story, 
Not yeah. so straightforward. Were you thinking yeah. a lot more people having tea and then looking out the window and saying stuff and then yeah, coming back I, to I, the conversation? Yeah, because I knew it was set like yeah. a, a rich people, English yeah. people in a manner in a similar era to that. And I was like, oh, yeah. It'll be a love story. We get it. Yeah, like a horse and carriage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah a few chapters in, I'm like, ghosts? Okay, I'm in. Yeah. It's got me. Yeah, yeah. It does, it's got some elements to it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if Kate Bush liked it, it's probably yeah. got some elements to it. it? <laughs> <laughs> hey, book cheaters. Just Dave here dropping in to tell you that this episode of Book Cheat is brought to you by Care Of. Care Of is a subscription service that makes it easy to get vitamins, protein powders and more personalised just for you and delivered straight to your door. Now it can be hard to really know what vitamins or supplements you should be taking, but Care Of makes it easy to find out what you specifically need to be your healthiest. And if you're unsure what you need, Care Of's fun online quiz asks you about your diet, your health goals and lifestyle choices and takes only five minutes to find out your personal scientifically backed recommendation for vitamins, protein powders and more. The online quiz is now new and improved. To learn if you are getting enough protein, fiber, and good fats to determine if you could benefit from Kerov's new natural protein powders. Kerov makes sure you're getting your vitamins and proteins from the best sources backed by honest guidance and transparency. Now, if you would like to give Kerov a go for 30% off your first Kerov order, go to takecareof.com and enter bookcheat30. That's book cheat three zero for thirty percent off your first care of order. All you have to do is go to takecareof.com and enter the promo code book cheat thirty book cheat three zero. You'll get your vitamins, protein powders, and more. Care of will know you came to them through book cheat. So one more time, takecareof.com and enter the code book cheat thirty. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So he's run, he's run home, but the next day Lockwood starts talking to his housekeeper named Nellie, who he realizes is very intelligent and has worked at Wuthering Heights for decades. Now very curious about these people that he's just met, he asks her to tell him what she knows, and it turns out she knows everything. And from this point on, Nellie becomes our main storyteller giving us a rundown uh, on the who's, the what's, the why's, the when's, and the how's, all the people that Lockwood just met at Wuthering Heights. So now it's a diary recounting a housekeeper telling him the backstory of, of this story. Yeah. So it, it jumps between different people talking. Yeah. But essentially it's supposed to be you're reading a diary. Yeah, see, yeah, that sure. I remember not understanding that in school when we were reading it. I'm like, who's saying this who's now? Who's this now? Yeah. <laughs> Who is this? So we're on to Nelly. Nelly. Yeah, yeah. Nelly, who's basically 90% of, the, of uh, the rest of this is her talking. Uh, Wuthering Heights, she tells us, used to belong to the Earnshaws and Thrushcross. Such a weird. <laughs> Thrushcross Grange used to belong to a family called the Lintons. Nelly used to work at Wuthering Heights for the Earnshaws. Her main role was to look after Catherine Senior, the mother of Catherine Junior, the rude woman we met in the living room earlier. Ah, I didn't know that women name people after like juniors. I didn't. I thought that was only a, a masculine kind of thing. I, well, I think I've definitely applied junior there to avoid confusion. Okay, I don't think they refer to her as Catherine Junior. Yeah, but if you if you want to, we can. I didn't know. I didn't know they passed the names. But down. yeah, they passed the name forward. Yeah. Mm. 
and uh, also look after her older brother, Hindley, who we heard was mistreating uh, Catherine and Heathcliff in that diary entry earlier. But anyway, we'll get to that. Uh, when the two children were very young, this is uh, Catherine and Hindley, their wealthy father, Mr. Earnshaw, went on a trip to Liverpool and whilst there saw a very uh, young and very poor boy living on the street, Earnshaw brought him back to Wuthering Heights and they named him Heathcliff. Ooh, so like half-brother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was raised as if he was a member of the family and Catherine became very close with the orphan and some would say loved him. Her brother Hindley, however, always hated the new member of the family and his cruel treatment of Heathcliff actually caused his father to love Hindley less, which Uh made him uh, hate Heathcliff more and it was a vicious cycle that just went on and on and on and on. Gosh. Uh, Their mother, Mrs. Earnshaw, dies quickly, as it seems everyone did back then. And... uh, (laughs) 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 <laughs> Not the first in this book either. And Heathcliff and Hindley fight so badly that their father sends Hindley away to college at boarding school. So basically he chooses the, the new one rather than his own son. Catherine and Heathcliff continue growing up together, now unhindered by Hindley. This continues on for three years until Mr Earnshaw, the father of the family, dies suddenly again. <laughs> meaning that Hindley, the oldest brother and enemy of Heathcliff, becomes master of Wuthering Heights. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, dear. It's just like the Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> Staggering parallels. Yes. People taking over left, right and centre. <laughs> Hindley, this is the evil older brother, returns, now married, and immediately begins to punish Heathcliff, who was much younger than him. He cancels his education. <laughs> I love that. Cancelled. Cancelled. Yeah. Cancelled. <laughs> School today, cancelled. Tomorrow, yeah. also cancelled. <laughs> Forever, cancelled. Yeah. Most kids are like, this is amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much. Can I get this in writing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but he doesn't like it because he makes him the li- uh, live the life of a common labourer working in the fields. And now he just becomes, instead of being one of the, the children, he's now basically one of the, the helpers. Just to go back a bit, okay. Hindley, okay. He probably is a horrible person. But also, in his defence, you're the oldest son. Your dad goes away, brings back another son. Yeah, better model. <laughs> loves him more than you. Yeah, yeah I can totally see why. Leaves him the house. That's you know, well. I thought this was going to be all of us to share or something like that. Like, oh, I understand why Harley might be a bit annoyed. Who who got left the house though? Was it Heathcliff got left the house? Or oh, Harley? so he got the run of the house with Catherine. There were the two kids that got to stay at home. That's but, right. But now their dad died because Hindley's the oldest. He gets to inherit the house. So, yeah, so Hindley does get the house. He did get the house. Yeah. Eventually, but now he's and now he's back. He's like, well, now I guess he's in charge, guys, okay. and I'm going to yeah. punish all the people, yeah. especially you, Heathcliff, because yeah. I hate you. Yeah, but you, that's so true, though. Like, yeah, that's correct. Like, just bringing, like, a rando home. Yeah, how, yeah, how, how old would he be at the, when Heathcliff came to live with them? Oh, mid-teens? Oh, yeah, the worst the worst years of anyone's life. Yeah. And then Dad's, yeah. Dad's brought another son home. <laughs> oh, this is... <laughs> Yeah, Dad's like, I'll come home from a work trip with a better son yeah. who I already love more. And I got to name him this time. Yeah. Mum got to name you. Yeah. This time, Heathcliff. <laughs> and no surname. They don't They don't bestow the surname on him. He's just Heathcliff. He's like Prince or Madonna. Heathcliff. Yeah. yeah. It is a regal name. He doesn't need much more, does he? Well, he's had a roller coaster. He's also had a roller coaster of a life because he was an orphan. And then suddenly he gets adopted and he's the favourite son. Yeah. And, it's living, and now he's working in the fields again going, oh, crap. Yeah. Easy come, easy go, I guess. <laughs> but he's not actually that sad, Heathcliff, because he still gets to hang out with, uh, with uh, Catherine. So he's not too miserable because he really loves her. 
And one night as a bit of a prank, Catherine and Heathcliff decide to walk over to the neighbouring manor, Thrush Cross Grange, to tease their neighbours, Edgar and Isabella Linton, two children they view as snobbish and stuck up. However, whilst hiding in the bushes, watching the kids, guess what Catherine is attacked by? <gasps> Angry, Angry dogs. dogs. <laughs> it's another dog. <laughs> another dog attack. That's three. Count on people. And this dog is named Striker. <laughs> So she actually gets bitten by the dog. The rich neighbours, the Linton, soon realise they come out. They, they think they're being burgled, but they soon realise it's Catherine, not a burglar, and they welcome her inside to recuperate from her injuries. <laughs> to stitch her up. It also goes to show you how boring the animals are in England. Okay, there's nothing like in Australia. We've got snakes and spiders, just dogs. The dogs have eaten everything over there. Dogs they've mauled are, them. And a hedgehog. That's all they've got. This book should be called Wuthering Dog Bites. <laughs> Oh, I was—I just couldn't believe it when a third dog dog attack. <laughs> so she—they're like, "Come on inside, we'll treat you." And then they see Heathcliff also in the bushes, and due to his rough appearance, they will not let him in, and he is sent away. Oh, another roller coaster. Isabella describes this is the young snobbish girl. Uh, she describes Heathcliff to her father as quote frightful thing. Put him in the cellar, Papa. He's exactly like the son of the fortune teller that stole my tame pheasant. <laughs> What? <laughs> I read that sentence and I took a photo of it. I take it back. They did have cool animals. <laughs> she had a tame pheasant. A tame pheasant. <laughs> and the son of a fortune teller stole it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't stand Isabella already. <laughs> I know. She, she's awful. But remember Isabella pointing at him and saying that. Just remember that for later on in this book. All right. Great. All right. Stole that. Stole that. Yeah. <laughs> Pop that in the in the bank. Uh, so he has to go home, Heathcliff. When he gets home, Heinley is super pissed off and tells Heathcliff that he can no longer see Catherine, which is not good because he's in love with essentially his adopted sister. Yeah. Yeah. That's awful. But Catherine but he can't see her. No. I mean, not that he's in love <laughs> oh. with her. There's no blood ties. He can be yeah. in love with her. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, 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 oh, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's a yeah, no, weird it's, grey area. I don't <laughs> I know. Like, after I've said it, I'm like, no, wait up. I don't know if I can stand by like, that. Yeah, technically, I think yes. legally you can. But yeah, I think yeah, yeah legally. But mo- morally. Yeah. Is that a thing? Yeah, what do you no. think? Because he's still family unit, yeah. aren't you? Yeah. yeah. Okay. But maybe before I put a firm opinion down, I need to research the family unit a bit more. Also, this fortune teller, very, <laughs> very smart, sending people in to steal animals. And I'll go, oh, I predict you're going to have a loss in the future. A bird? A non-wild bird? A tame pheasant. Do you think he's doing tricks, this pheasant? I hope so. What's doing? Go to your bed. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Does it mean they've just clipped its wings? Yeah. Absolutely. It just yeah. won't fly away. Yeah. Or oh. by their standards, tame would mean that it's just not mauling people yeah, in the bushes. Right. <laughs> they can't control a dog. How are they going to control a pheasant? <laughs> so Catherine, she's got a sore foot from being bitten by a dog. She ends up staying with the Lintons for five whole weeks. And in this time, Catherine undergoes a sort of transformation. Mrs. Linton, the uh, matriarch of the family, works very hard to turn the young girl from a child into a young lady or little woman, if you will. This is Catherine. Yeah. She's still at the Lintons because she got bitten by the dog. The dog, she had to stay there for five weeks. Five weeks. weeks. That is length. God, they are really rough dogs. Yes. (laughs) Yes, they are. They must be. I mean, it takes five weeks and you can't travel four miles home to your house, which is next door. (laughs) 
<laughs> so she's turning her into a little woman. Yeah, she. Uh, she so they work on manners and ladylike things like that. Because before this, her and Heathcliff were very much, you know, kids that would just love to play in the mud and stuff like Bit that. Bit rough and tumble. Yeah. 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 She, in, to be honest, she just had a childhood. So yeah. She was just enjoying herself yeah. as a child. Know, and awesome. Mrs. Linton's like, not on my watch. No. <laughs> Get away. This shenanigans stops right here. <laughs> Once those wounds heal, <laughs> yeah, put this right. book on your head and walk up yeah. and down the hallway. <laughs> Pop this red dress on. <laughs> and she can't fight back because she's got a, a broken foot. Put this dress on. I'll set the dog on you again. <laughs> okay. So five weeks go by. When she gets back to Wuthering Heights, she is still fond of Heathcliff, but comments on how dirty he is compared to her other new friends, and this really angers him. And being a teenager, he doubles down and vows to be even dirtier from now on. Yeah, right on. That's what I'd do as well. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be my approach. You don't like dirt? Well, how about this? Yeah, I'm never bathing again. <laughs> Uh, the Lintons, including their posh children, Edgar and Isabella, own, former owner of a tame pheasant, come over the next night for dinner and Heathcliff is locked away in an attic to avoid causing trouble. However, on his way to being locked away, Edgar comments on Heathcliff's hair and Heathcliff retaliates by throwing applesauce in the preppy boy's face. Yes. Great. And setting a pack of wild dogs on him. <laughs> Get him, boys. Yeah, that's the 18th dog attack. <laughs> So many. <laughs> well, they just got to lick the sauce off him. Well, they're very happy. Yeah. <laughs> they love applesauce. So he, he's locked in the attic and everyone's pissed off at him because he sort of ruined the night by throwing applesauce on the, the other guy. And at the end of the night, Catherine visits Heathcliff, who now vows revenge on his older brother, Hindley, for his years of mistreatment. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, indeed. This is a 19th song attack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's coming up. You know, the only way to dish out revenge. Sometimes people challenge you to a duel and other times yeah. they just let the dogs loose. <laughs> Planning his revenge, just a, a single sheet of paper saying dogs. Yeah. With a question mark. Yeah. Hmm, how can I use these dogs? How can I use them? Um, a bit of time passes here as Nellie, the housekeeper, has to finish her day's jobs, which is quite nice because remember, she's the one telling us this, this history. But yep. then she picks up the story uh, the next day. A bit of time has passed. Hindley's wife, uh, Francis, gives birth to a son named Harriton who we uh, spoke of earlier in the book. Remember, Mr. Harrington? Harrison. Okay, Harrington. Yes, not... Yep. <laughs> Harrison with a T. <laughs> he was in the lounge room with Heathcliff, that's right. So Hindley's wife, Frances, however, dies in childbirth, leaving Nellie, the housekeeper, to raise this new child, Harrington. <sighs> Hindley absolutely loses it after his wife's death, and he was an already an angry man. This is the guy that's pissed off that Heathcliff was adopted and favoured over him. And now his wife has died in childbirth and he begins drinking like crazy and treating everyone like dirt, going on violent rampages. He pulls a Michael Jackson, which, hear me out, I know sounds bad, yeah. but it's not that bad. Um, he adopts a monkey. <laughs> and... <laughs> well, there is a scene where he grabs his son and he waves him over the banister of the second story and he drops the boy at a, as a baby who is yeah. luckily caught down below. Oh, mm. By so, a pack of dogs. Yeah. <laughs> They finally came in handy. Yeah, they uh, they they uh, stopped his uh, fall, but they did maul him. And uh, he also threatens people with a knife. They have to unload the gun every night because he likes to wave it around while he's drunk. So he's absolutely losing it. And Heathcliff is watching on because he's vowed revenge against this guy, and he's yeah. already losing it on his own terms. He's like, "My enemy is going crazy. This is fantastic." Yeah, Catherine. Seems to live a bit of a double life because when she's with her snobbish neighbour, Edgar, she acts like a proper lady 
But when she's alone with Heathcliff, she acts like her old self, the old rough and tumble. Yeah. The fun one. Yeah. Fun. She actually has fun. Yeah. But one night, Catherine confides to Nellie, our storyteller, the assistant, that Edgar has asked her to marry him. She doesn't know that Heathcliff is in the room next door and that he can hear their whole conversation. Oh, boy. She tells Nellie that she can't marry Heathcliff because her brother has forced him, Heathcliff, to basically live the life of a peasant. She says, quote, It would degrade me to marry Heathcliff now, so he shall never know how I love him. Heathcliff. It's reciprocated. Yes. But... But yeah, Heathcliff is listening to this conversation, but he only gets to the part about how it would be degrading for her to marry him, and he storms out of the room before hearing the second half of the sentence where she says, "How much I love him." Uh-oh. So all he's heard is, "I would never marry him. That would that'd be beneath me to marry that guy." He goes, "Well, fine, I'm out of here." Yeah. And I love him so much. Oh no, that's heartbreaking. Pause at a bad time. Oh. So Catherine keeps talking now with Heathcliff not listening. She didn't even know he was there. She resolves to marry Edgar even though she thinks Heathcliff is basically her soulmate. And that night Heathcliff runs away from Wuthering Heights for good. Wow. Catherine is distraught at this and wanders in the rain all night looking for him. But, of course, she can't find him. All she uh, finds is a crazy cold and she has to go to her future in-laws, the Lintons, to recuperate again because she gets so sick, which she does. But uh, not before the illness kills both her in-laws, Mr. and Mrs. Linton. And that has about one sentence dedicated to it, and then the story moves on. Wow. So her in-laws get sick from her. They both immediately die. And then literally the next sentence is, Our young lady returned to us saucier (laughs) and more passionate and haughtier than ever. Can you imagine that trip back with your partner? You've killed both their parents. And you're like, oh, I didn't mean to. I was like... I once washed up a glass with the wrong tea towel and the car ride back was so awkward. I was like, oh, no, what have I done? You've ruined the family. Yeah, shame upon the name. (laughs) My ex once, uh, like, my dad got a speeding ticket when he was driving us and the cops were there. Oh, it's actually a 60 zone here, not a four. It's actually a 60 zone, not an 80. And it was a new one and dad's, oh, I didn't see it. And then Megan, my girlfriend, was like, oh, I saw it. Yeah, it was clearly. And dad's like, what the? What the hell are you doing here? I'm trying to get off this ticket. Like, yeah, I saw it. I even said to him, mate, you're yeah, driving too quick yeah. here. The and cop will like, get you. From that moment, my dad did not like her. When we broke up, he was very happy. <laughs> really? yeah. He just a slow clap that as he told it. him. Yeah, you've dodged a bullet. Yeah, like I tried to tell him, but he yeah. didn't hear me because he was guzzling. He was guzzling vodka straight out of the bottle. <laughs> he was on his phone with his mates and drinking. And, yeah, yeah, talking about how those pigs can't slow me down. Oh, imagine. Oh, that's awful. Seriously, I could not believe that sentence. He kills the parents and then the housekeeper doesn't even bat an eye. That's how often people died back then. Yeah. They didn't yeah. even think about it. It, it. Like People were so used to, used to death back then as well. People were just yeah, like, yeah, yeah you're going to die. Yeah, like, yeah, there's no point in dwelling on it. They died anyway. Yeah. And then we had a lovely turkey. <laughs> yeah. Sniff up a lip, here we go. Yeah. How good was that turkey? <laughs> then three pages about yeah. describing the turkey. Yeah. It was the best dinner we'd had in years. <laughs> <laughs> well, three years go by in the story and Catherine does marry Edgar, the man she single-handedly orphaned, and Nellie, our housekeeper, moves from, <laughs> moves from Wuthering Heights to Thrush Cross Grange. And there she still is to this day. Now she's looking after Mr Lockwood in Thrush Cross Grange. So that's why she moved. Leaving young Harriton and his alcoholic father, Hindley, back at Wuthering Heights. They're the only two remaining at Wuthering And also Joseph, the Yorkshire man. Yeah. 
In our final chapters in uh, Volume 1, six months pass after the marriage, and guess who walks back into town? Wait, don't tell me. <laughs> it's Heathcliff. <laughs> I've written here, no, not a dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is, it, is it either a pack of angry dogs yeah. or Heathcliff? I know, they're the two most important parts. I can't believe that Kate Bushong does not mention dogs. She must not have gotten past Chapter 3. <laughs> By this stage, Heathcliff has been away from Wuthering Heights three and a half years and in that time has matured physically, becoming quite attractive, quite well built, and probably most importantly for all the people in this world, he's now very wealthy. Oh. How he got that wealth, no one seems to know, and Nellie telling the story all these years later, 23 years later, still doesn't know how he got rich. Yeah. Which is a little sus. They're all thinking that he must have done something bad, but no one, no one knows how he got rich. Heathcliff goes to visit his old friend Catherine, who is very excited to see him. Her husband, Edgar, not so much, as he is threatened by the imposing man and jealous of how happy his wife is to see him. Ooh. As you probably would be. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Catherine, sit down. <laughs> <laughs> You've already greeted him. You're embarrassing yourself now. <laughs> he just says to the housekeeper, release the dogs. Yeah. <laughs> release the dogs. Stop clapping, <laughs> Catherine. <laughs> it's not that funny, Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> well, Heathcliff tells them all that he's actually staying with his old enemy and Catherine's older brother, Hindley, at Wuthering Heights. And everyone is shocked to learn this because they hate each other. But it turns out that Hindley, as well as an alcoholic, is now also a problem gambler who owes a lot of money. And when Heathcliff came to town with lots of money, he happily invited him in to play cards. Uh, so that's the only reason he's like, brother, man with money, I owe a lot. Please come in. And he's trying to win money off him. Eventually, Hindley loses so much money that he mortgages Wuthering Heights to the wealthy Heathcliff and Heathcliff becomes the master of the house. Heathcliff, that's a real power move. That's Yeah, that's a good, it's a good comeback. Remember, he, he, uh, and he swore revenge against him and now he's basically, he owns the house around him and is, is, is in charge again. So... Sweet move. Uh, Catherine visits Heathcliff often at Wuthering Heights and begins to bring her sister-in-law, Edgar's sister, Isabella, the one with the pheasant. <laughs> the yes. pheasant. The one who once looked at Heathcliff and said, he reminds me of someone who stole my pheasant. Tame pheasant. But, uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Don't forget it was tame. It wasn't just any pheasant. It was a really, really good pheasant. <laughs> but remember, she pointed at him and said, this, basically, he's no good. But now, now he's older, wealthier, and much better looking. She becomes immediately infatuated with Heathcliff. He's got a good rig Ooh, now. Yeah. yeah, he's got a good yeah. rig. <laughs> I'm imagining sweet beard, long hair. Yeah, yeah, bit mysterious, bit yeah, bit hipster. I reckon he'll look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. from yeah. tame pheasant to angry cock. <laughs> <laughs> that is. If they didn't call the chapter that, I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> Oh, I love that. Um, Heathcliff doesn't seem interested at first in this younger girl, but he does nothing to stop her interest in him. Nellie walks in on Heathcliff one day, embracing Isabella, and demands when Isabella leaves to know Heathcliff's intentions and feelings towards the young woman. It turns out that he is—he actually says this—he's leading on the younger sister of the man who married his true love, Catherine, for revenge only. Ooh. <laughs> No good. No. no good, Heathcliff. Yeah, that's pretty rough. So at this point we start to realise... You've already taken the oh. house, you're rich, you're ripped. You're, you're doing good, <laughs> yeah. mate. Leave some for the rest and... of us. Yeah. Oh, oh, do you know what, though? Like, maybe this is like the little grudge holder inside me. Like, I, I just keep replaying what Isabella said about him yeah. as a child as well. I know she was just a child. 
But you know, now is I don't know. I'm, I'm I should be more sympathetic. No, I've talked myself around. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> but marrying someone for revenge only. Yeah. Is that yeah, one, that's, that's going right. to be one of the worst reasons to marry someone? Yeah, and weddings are expensive as well, oh, so, so there's cheaper ways to get revenge. Yeah, like buy a pack of angry dogs. Oh, <laughs> Her parents are dead too; they're not chipping in. Like, yeah, that's right. Revenge enough. Like, <laughs> she suffered enough. Yeah. He's like, nah, no. He. So we are learning that he is actually a really, really bad guy. Yeah, he is. He's terrible. Yeah. I don't condone a revenge marriage, by the way. Oh, really? I need to clear that up. Okay. Yeah. Thank goodness you said that because I was thinking revenge marriage. That's your. So you're you're saying we're learning Heathcliff is a very bad guy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's a bit rough. Yeah. Driven by revenge so badly that he has turned to the dark side. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look. Yeah. He he had a lot of childhood trauma going on, didn't he? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, no one in this. He hasn't processed it. Yeah. And it's coming out in revenge. As I do, I do enjoy this one, reading this one. But as I find with lots of the classics I've gone through here, not many of the characters are likable or nice people. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) Not many in any of these. Anything from the nineteenth century, I've yet to come across a character. I'm like, yeah. Good dude. <laughs> do you reckon that's just how people were writing books back then, or do you reckon that just everyone in society yeah, was yeah. awful? <laughs> yeah. Like we'd all just be sat in this room together just looking at each other like, oh, oh, yeah. oh I hate both of them. <laughs> and I will marry They're your, awful. Yeah. I will marry your sister for revenge. <laughs> They're awful. <laughs> uh, in a very dramatic scene, Nellie, our housekeeper, tells Edgar about Heathcliff and his younger sister, and Edgar demands Heathcliff leave his property, not wanting this man to... Uh, marry his sister. But Heathcliff refuses. Edgar calls in his servants to escort Heathcliff away, but Catherine locks herself and the two men in the kitchen and then throws the key into the fire, basically being like, you two sort it out amongst yourselves. Oh. Edgar is afraid of the much larger and much stronger Heathcliff, but Catherine bullies him into striking Heathcliff before he runs away to find more help. (laughs) So he punches him in the throat once. Ooh. And then uh, he, he escapes. He later demands that Catherine choose between Heathcliff and himself, and her response is to lock another door, this time with her on one side, and then she refuses to eat for two days. Oh, hunger strike. Yeah. Yeah, right. In this time, she believes she is dying and remembers her childhood with Heathcliff at Wuthering Heights and says her spirit will only rest once she can be with Heathcliff again. Eventually, she lets servants in with food and they discover she is sick and the doctor thinks... It doesn't look good. Uh-oh. So she does think she's dying and she sort of um, loses it a little bit mentally for a while until she can get a bit more food into it. Meanwhile, Heathcliff elopes with Isabella, causing her brother Edgar to cast her out of the family. It's a revenge elope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> a classic revenge elope. How hard would it be to elope back then as well? Was it easy to get a like marriage license? I don't. I don't know how. Yeah, and like wh- maybe if you're really wealthy, because he is rich. Okay, I guess. Yeah, you could travel right. anywhere and sort of sort it out. Yeah, they would have just like went to the church. Hey, yeah. can you marry us? Great, you married. Yeah, or they would have like travelled for eight days to the neighbouring property. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we want to elope. <laughs> Eight days and six dog attacks later, they made it to the church. (laughs) Uh, In the final chapter of uh, the volume one, Catherine slowly recovers over the next two months and uh, also learns that she is, in fact, pregnant. (gasps) 
Oh. Ooh. Plot twist. Meanwhile, Isabella realises that she has made a terrible mistake in marrying Heathcliff because he mistreats his young wife terribly, telling her that since he cannot punish her brother Edgar for causing Catherine's illness, he will instead punish Isabella. Again, Uh we're learning he's not a great guy. Yeah, he's no good. No, he's awful. Isabella, realising this, writes a letter to her brother begging for forgiveness and to be allowed back into the family. But uh, her pleas fall on deaf ears. She also writes a letter to Nellie, our storyteller, and we learn that Heinley has become obsessed with winning. This is the uh, the man that used to own Wuthering Heights but has lost it all, the alcoholic uh, older brother of Catherine. He's become obsessed with winning back his fortune off Heathcliff and even plans to kill Heathcliff. Ooh. He's uh, shown Isabella the gun that he's going to use to kill him. It's the original bold and beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. There's so much going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nellie goes to see Isabella, and whilst at Wuthering Heights, Heathcliff bails her up and asks about Catherine's condition. Nellie tells him that she's getting better, but she'll never be 100% again. Okay. She's been quite ill. I don't expect her to be the, her old self. He demands to see Catherine, and Nellie refuses, but eventually agrees to take a letter to her from him, but only after Heathcliff threatens to hold her uh, in the house until she does. He basically says, I'll imprison you unless you take this letter, and she eventually does. Volume 1 ends with Lockwood, our diary writer, the, the guy from way back at the start, reflecting on this story so far, and uh, as he waits for a doctor to arrive, because he's also got a cold, he says, <sighs> I'll extract wholesome medicines from Mrs. Dean's bitter herbs, and firstly, let me beware of the fascination that lurks in Catherine Heathcliff's brilliant eyes. I should be in a curious taking if I surrendered my heart to that young person, and the daughter turned out a second edition of The Mother. And volume one. Wow. So he's still talking about because he's met young Catherine, who was uh, gave him nothing at the start of the of the novel, and he's like, "Oh, I should be wary of her because if she turns out anything like her mother, obviously trouble will befall me." Yes. Intriguing, and we're going to leave that there on a Heathcliff hanger. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Did write that down. I did. So, write the, mor- that down. the moral of volume one mm. is: don't mix. Business with friendship. Like, don't try and be friends with your landlord. No. Stay home. You wouldn't have been yeah. bit by a dog. You wouldn't have this whole yeah. family coming around telling you. You wouldn't know that. You wouldn't have a cold now, which back in the day probably will kill you. Yeah. Terrible sign. You don't want a cold. You don't want the sniffles. No. No. <laughs> yeah. It's never just the sniffles back then. So, this no, is, you can't have the sniffles. No. It didn't exist. They'd be like, what are you talking about? Sniffles? So, this no. is Lockwood. So, that's Lockwood who's. Lockwood, yeah. yeah. So, he's the one who's the written this diary for in, us yeah, to across. read. He's mm. telling us the story as he's heard it. And then he's musing on the end. Oh, uh, that, that Catherine Heathcliff I met at the start, she was very beautiful, but I should be wary of her because if she's anything like her mum. I could get into trouble. It does here. sound like Emily Bronte was just naming stuff on what she could see in the room. Uh, lock, wood, great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Heath, cliff. Okay, yeah. I'm looking out the window. Yeah. Just the, yeah. I'd be itchy and angry, thrush, cross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, usually at the end of the book, I get the guests to rate it out of five. I could, maybe we could do it halfway. Okay. We're rating out of two and a half. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, we could. Well, how about you rate this one out of uh, the first half, and then we'll get an average after part two. All right. I I, I want to know what happens in the second half. Okay, that's always good. That's always good. But I still think there's there's too many characters for me to understand. I'll, I will have to go in and actually read this one. Right. So uh, yeah. So you, are you confused? You're a bit confused. I was a bit confused with how many. So it was like Lockwood, and then Heathcliff, and then there's. 
flashbacks and all this kind of stuff. Mm, and then yeah, go, which Kirsty even arriving. discovered as you were reading it, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're yeah, like, yeah. sorry, what? what? Yeah, wait what, up. What era is this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I because I've already read it and because I faked that summary a few months ago. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nothing shush. Erase that. Um, <laughs> I, w- what's happened is your summary has just given me clarity. So I already had a base level of really confused understanding. Okay, sure, sure. And, and you yeah. just cleared up some things for me. So, okay. so I can actually follow who's who here, but I can, I like, very recently I was in a similar boat to Josh yeah. where I was like, what? Who are these people? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I would be so lost, You would be. I yeah. think, even though your summary is really good. Thank you. I appreciate that. If it's the first I'd heard. I will post what uh, something that actually helped me a lot. Which was, um, oh, we'll post a photo of this. It's um, a family tree, if you will. Especially because when they describe them in the book, they're like, blah, blah, is this person's first cousin? And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? So it's probably a bit late for you guys now, but I will post this. This photo, it sort of just shows who's yeah, who, the two different great. families because they mix together. Yeah. Yeah, so I post a photo of that yeah. for everyone at home and maybe that will help with the, the second half. Um, so at this stage, out of five, what are we thinking? Three, three and a half. I'm not. I'm not overly loving it. Go. Oh, I can't wait. But I, I, I'm not minding. It. I, like, I like the story. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give it three and a half. Three and a half out of five. Yeah. yeah. But you're right. There is no one who I'm rooting for and going. Okay. I want this person to do great. Yeah. That's like Lockwood's just a bit nosy, and Nelly's just telling him everything. Like it's. Yeah. Like Nelly's an open book. Yeah. yeah Lockwood leave your landlord alone. Yeah. Heathcliff, you're Satan. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph. <laughs> Joseph isn't making any we, sense. We don't know what you're saying, but we think it's probably uh, just just write us a note about Joseph. the Bible. <laughs> write it down, mate. Yeah. But if you write it up phonetically as well, <laughs> Joseph, this isn't helping, mate. Yeah. No, that's not what we meant. <laughs> I I did quite I did really enjoy it. I must say, I'm going to give it a four and a half of the, the first half, hoping that the second half doesn't let me down. Okay, I, I did enjoy that's the style score. of the structure. Yeah, I, I really I found it intriguing. I think mostly because I expected one thing, and then it was not that at all. Yep, with yep. it. Suddenly it was a bit of horror stuff and there's like quite evil characters in there and I was like, oh, I'm enjoying yeah. that. I, yeah. I was about to say your eyes really lit up with the ghost bit. I reckon that jacked up your score oh, at as, least two yeah. points. Because it's not like I'm a big horror fan or anything. I just right. wasn't expecting it here and I was like, 1847, this – all three of these sisters, they basically they were home educated and they were just sort of told each other stories or whatever. And and um, she's just written this very original novel. Yeah. Like, at her family home and then died. I'm just impressed. Yeah, yeah. And she's she's she chucked an icy hand into the yeah. equation. <laughs> Super impressed. Yeah, I, I never say no to an icy hand. I never <laughs> say no. <laughs> so we're going to leave it on a cliffhanger there. But uh, at the end of every episode, um, some people support this show and – do go on, which is a spin-off of and Matt Stewart's other spin-off show, Primates, on Patreon, which is the thing where people chip in a couple of dollars to the podcast and then we give them rewards in exchange for that. And the reward on this show is people tell me their favourite book and I tell my guests and we get to judge oh, their choices. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. So if you don't Excellent. mind, I've got three people who have told me their favourite books. Yes. And uh, before we go... I'd like to say thank you to them for supporting the show. And, uh, yeah, you get bonus episodes of Dugo on the other show. And uh, But I also announced the books uh, in advance, so it becomes a bit of a book club on there because a lot of people actually did want to read the book before I talk yeah. about it. Awesome. That's cool. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so if you want to get involved, you can do that. There's a link in the description of this episode. But, um, first of all, our first Patreon supporter, his name is Elfarius. 
Alfarius. Alfarius, beautiful. Or Alfarius, I'm not sure. I enjoy yeah. that name. Yeah. I said, what's your favourite book? Tell me uh, and why. And Alfarius has told us, I'd have to say Alan Moorhead's 1956 book, Gallipoli. Mm. Fine and nuanced read on that essential battle, and despite being over 60 years old, there's minimal inaccuracies in it. Do enjoy the description of an essential battle there. So is this the one that they made? The, <laughs> I know I know, it was a real historic event, but is this what they made the film off this book? I'm just, let's look that up because I also thought of the uh, Mel Gibson film. Yeah, what are your legs? Still springs. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> is it based loosely on anything? Uh, on anything? On any book is what I mean. Yeah. On anything. <laughs> there was a great battle of the same name, but I think it's yeah. unrelated. <laughs> unrelated. <laughs> <laughs> it was written, oh, screenplay by David Williamson, one of our great playwrights. Big fan of David Williamson's work. Um, no, it d- doesn't seem to be. There you go. Uh, so thank you, Alfarius. Appreciate your uh, your input there. Uh, Stephen Jones told me his favourite book is Room, which I believe that film came out a couple of years ago based on. Room. The one that with that Is that Alicia Vikander? Is that, that film? No, maybe know. it's Brie. No, it probably is Brie. I don't know. Oh, I think it, There's The Room. But room. Room. It was Brie Larson, and she won the Academy Award for it, didn't she? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yes, good on her. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it either. It sounds, I, well, I think it's about some pretty uh, heavy stuff. Pretty heavy stuff. Yeah. I've never even heard of it oh, at right. all. right. Well, so, so th- this is a description. It's a story told from the perspective of a five-year-old, so the reader has to piece things together gradually to figure out what's going on. Ah, a bit like, uh, what's the, the mysterious Kate... Incident of the dark oh, of the night time. Yeah. Mm. So it's a similar thing. Where yeah. That's great. Yeah. And uh, Stephen, just to clear it up for us, it says it's got nothing to do with Tommy Wiseau, yeah. by the way. That's great. <laughs> <And> the Room. <laughs> I should watch Room. I, I don't watch many films. My wife yeah, and I do tra- I. We tried to watch A Star is Born last night. Mm-hmm. Have you watched it? No, I haven't. It's I haven't boring. seen it. It's Real- boring. Oh. Yeah. It so, is so boring. How, how long did you give it for you? We got, well, we were watching it on Netflix and our internet messed up halfway through and uh, we were like, oh, yeah, I'm happy with this. Like, yeah, I've heard the song Shallow. We don't need to know. <laughs> you were, yeah. yeah. Was one of you just turning the modem on and off? No. <laughs> just stop. Really that, Please they, make it finish. They chewed through the cable. <laughs> yeah. It was going, like, the, he talks deep and we know where it's heading. It's just a boring film. I, I find, yeah, I find Hollywood movies and, like, a lot of Western movies, unless they're, like, yeah. indie, I find them so boring these days. I like watching yeah. international films. I find them way more interesting. Like they a bit less predictable and march their own beat sort of thing. Yeah. But yeah. The stuff we just mass produce and churn out for box office hits like yawn. Yeah, so I said the star is yawn. That was my review. <laughs> <laughs> that was review. Yeah. Oh, tweet that. That's good stuff. <laughs> Finally I watched it as it came out in the cinema. Yeah. I could have tweeted it. Guys, imagine this was uh, about 14 yeah. months ago. <laughs> Uh, and finally, uh, thank you, Stephen Jones. William Young told me, my favourite book is probably A Clockwork Orange. I studied it in college and wrote an essay on it. It's a fantastic novel about how evil can be as necessary to human nature as good and also manages to create another language in the form of NADSAT. Also, the film it inspired is one of my favourites. Yeah. yeah. So that film was, because it was banned for so many years, it made me want to really watch it more than if it was just available. Like, oh, sure, sure. Yeah, it was that thing. Was of, the same. The fact that it was a banned film. Because yeah. someone, I think someone, uh, Stanley Kubrick's wife was threatened by someone, and they were saying words from the from the book to her, and she was like, "That book's evil," and so he was like, "Get rid of it, get rid of it." Yeah, yeah, I, I that could be completely saying, like, false, but yeah, that's what I heard. <laughs> I, I like the drama of it all. Someone tweeted that last week, anyway. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. but when you so when you saw it, were you? 
disappointed. I liked it. It was fine. But it was that thing of like going, oh, you know, sometimes you build it up in your head. Oh, it's going to be this amazing thing. It's been banned. It's been like mm. blacklisted, all this kind of stuff. And then you watch yeah. it going, oh, yeah, that's fine. That's, oh, that's, that's yeah. cool. Like, it looks good. <laughs> that's all right. But I think I have, I've read the book as well. Uh, did you find I haven't read it, but the the NADSAT, which is another language they have in yeah. there, what, is that confusing? Because I'm confused by a Yorkshire man. Yeah, I'm no, worried about another. <laughs> I language. think you get used to it. It's a bit like when I read Transporting as well. It's the same kind oh, of the, the thing. Dialect. They, they write in the dialect. Mm. Yeah, you get just kind of after a while, you get used to it, and then you don't. I I don't beat myself up if I don't understand it because I'm like, well, that's what the author wants. Like, yes, to make it like yeah, they've bit, gone the opposite yeah. of the Matthew Riley. Yeah. <laughs> Matthew Riley will never have a Yorkshire character. No, like, never. I love you, Matthew Riley. Yeah. <laughs> What a guy. What a guy. Uh, thank you to William Young as well and everyone who supports you on Patreon. Much appreciated. But that does bring us to the end of the episode. Team, thank you so much for coming in. Pleasure. Thanks and cheating this thank first half of this me. book with me. Have you guys got much coming up? Josh Earl, you do a fantastic podcast, which I'm a big fan of. Uh, Don't You Know Who I Am? Yes. So I, that comes out every Thursday. So, And I'm doing, if you're in Melbourne, I'm doing live a live season of it every Sunday for seven Sundays starting November 3rd in Melbourne at the Catfish. So go to joshearl.com.au for all the details for everything I'm doing there. Fantastic. And if you are not in Melbourne, I will link to uh, the podcast itself so you can just yep. listen to it at home, which is a lot of fun. You've both been guests. It's yes, fun. Kirsty was on yeah. a recent episode that um, it was one of my favourites for a long time. I can't remember who you're on with, but I just remember thinking, damn, this is funny. Do you remember oh, who yeah. that was? Probably was the last a... month or so. Oh, oh okay. yeah, there was a really re- – oh, there was one with um, oh, with Harley, uh, Harley and Bray, Geraldine, and Damien Hickey. Hickey. and Geraldine. Oh, yeah. yeah, check that out. That's a great episode. Yeah, that, that was a fun one. Yeah. Very, very that fun. That was super fun. And yeah. Kirsty, how about you? If people don't know, you're one of the hardest working and funniest stand-ups in the country. Have you got oh, a, thanks, legend. Many, uh, <laughs> gig- yeah, I mean that wholeheartedly. Many gigs or things coming up for you? Oh, yeah, I've got a million gigs. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm all over doing stand-up. Um, the easiest way to keep up with what I'm up to is like on my socials. Kirsty Webeck, W-E-B-E-C-K. I'm on Insta, Twitter, Facebook. Post most of my gigs up there. Don't go to my website ever, ever. <laughs> really? I, I update it biannually. <laughs> you can still buy tickets to my 2017 <laughs> comedy festival show right, on there. I'll, I'll link to that show, 2017. <laughs> yeah. What a great show. Um, no, I'll link to your socials so people can find out stuff. And, yeah, wholeheartedly recommend people get out there. But, yeah, team, thanks so much. Thank you. Uh, And until next time, uh, what I always say at the end of this episode, rather embarrassingly, is books forever. (laughs) (laughs) It uh, became a thing. (laughs) Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's, It's up to you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.